0: You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Well, welcome into the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We are so glad you are joining us this week for another episode of Bonfire. If you are listening to today's episode, we are in the fourth episode of a podcast series that we're calling "The Coming King, The Lion of Judah," and this podcast series has been focused in on the end times, uh, looking at the second coming of Jesus Christ, the events that will take place leading up to His return, and then ultimately His return. and And Dad, I don't know about you, but it's been a very uh, fun and exciting. Uh, podcast series to be in thus far, and I know we've got a great uh, episode planned for today. And, uh, you know, I've heard from several people this week that have been listening, right? and uh, they've uh, said that they're enjoying it, and so we want to thank you for listening. We hope that this is uh, helping you uh, to study and helping you to learn more about this important events that are going to unfold as we get here to uh, near the end of age. And as we said multiple times, Dad, that can come at any day now. It just seems like any moment and uh, I don't know about you. I'm ready. ready. I'm ready. Rick can come on anytime at this point. As always, I do want to uh, encourage uh, anyone who is listening for the first time. We want to thank you and, and encourage you to subscribe. Uh, You can subscribe to our podcast pretty much anywhere where you uh, can download podcast content. We're on all the major outlets, so feel free to go in there and subscribe. That way that you'll get the episodes uh, that are coming out. Uh, We release an episode every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And so uh, we would love to have you as a subscriber. For those of you who are longtime listeners and already subscribers, we need your help as well. We would love to uh, have you share the podcast with someone. Um, all of you have coworkers and family members, and and uh, that you are around on a daily basis. Tell someone about the Bonfire Podcast. Encourage them to listen. Uh, you can uh, share on our social media page, uh, Facebook. You can share a video with them, or you can just verbally tell a friend uh, that hey, they need to check out the Bonfire Podcast. We would love to see. Our audience uh, continue to grow, and uh, to have more folks listening in each and every week and studying along with us. Well, uh, as a as a recap, um, to kind of bring us up to speed with where we are. Again, this is episode four of this particular. Uh, series that we're in. The first episode, we looked at the signs of the times uh, regarding what would be happening up, at, leading up to the, the end of age. Uh, really, a lot of the stuff that's going on even right before us now. That's right. Um, and then we talked about the the whistleblow that would occur um, in this kind of football game analogy we've been talking about, and that was the rapture. And then last week, we covered uh, the kickoff, uh, which was the signing of the peace treaty and kind of the Antichrist coming on the stage there mm-hmm. um, as a peacemaker. Uh, There at the beginning of the tribulation. And so this week, our focus, uh, keeping with the football theme, is going to be on the first half of the football game. Looking at the first half of the tribulation, um, uh, that's what we're going to be focused in on today. Now, for those of you who are listening, remember the tribulation, the Bible tells us, is a seven year period where God's judgment will be poured out on the earth. Uh, This judgment will occur in three successive waves, each one uh, contains seven parts. So we' we have the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls. Uh, this week we'll be looking really at the seven seals and and really the first six seals represent that first half um, of the the football game, if you will. And so that will be our focus uh, today is looking at those uh, the seven seals uh, that will be broken. And so uh, we've got a lot to cover today, and so we're not gonna waste any time today. We're just gonna jump on in um, right. so that we can get through all the content that we have. For you today. So again, we'll be taking a look at a closer look at those uh, seven seals, and those seven seals are found in, in Revelation chapter six, and so that's where we'll be spending a good bit of our time today. But. For us to really understand Revelation chapter 6, we really need to understand and have a a good foundation of what's happening in Revelation chapter 5. And so that's where I want to start our conversation today. And so if you've got your Bible, we encourage you to turn uh, with us over to Revelation chapter 5. And I need to do the same. I'm on the wrong page here. And uh, we're going to be looking uh, at verses 1 through 7, 1 through 7, Revelation chapter 5. And so I'll go ahead and read that for us now. And it says, And I saw at the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals? And no one in heaven or earth or under earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll. Or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Don't weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and loose its seals. And I look, and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, and which were the seven spirits of God sent out all over the earth. Then he came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him. Who sat on the throne, and so this again is the foundation of what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about this vision. Uh, this is John writing here in Revelation and what he saw. and And these verses, um, the first thing I wanted to pull out and us to talk about is the scroll. So we see that John says that there's a scroll, and and that it could not be read because it was rolled up and it was sealed. Uh, and it was sealed with these uh, uh, with these wax seals, uh, kind of like they would seal a, a Roman will or deed or official document uh, mm-hmm. many years ago. And John could see that there was writing both on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and that was meant that nothing more could be added, uh, that it was written and it was complete and it was in its final form. The scroll, you may be wondering, what is this scroll? What does it represent? And many believe that this scroll represents the the title deed to the earth and all humanity. You see, as as of today, the earth and its atmosphere has been in the hands of an invader, uh, old Satan himself. And since the day of Adam, um, he's been on the earth and, and the earth has been under his power. And, you know, he thinks he actually owns this place. That's right. But he couldn't be more wrong, for God the Father, the creator of the universe, holds the title deed. So the second thing that I noticed in this scripture here that we're reading is the search. And notice it says that an angel proclaimed loudly, who was worthy to open the scroll or to look at it? But the Bible tells us no one in heaven or on earth or under earth was able to open it or even look at it. And so John, he goes he goes to weeping, he goes to crying. And no doubt uh, at that moment, John began to understand what he was looking at. He, he understood that God's glorious redemption His plan for redemption for mankind could never be completed until that scroll was opened. But John's tears didn't last long because one of the elders said, hey, hey, no need to cry. There is one who has prevailed to open the scroll and loosen its seven seals. The one that this elder speaks of is is none other than our Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just as a, a, a title deed can only be opened by the one appointed heir, the scroll could only be opened by one worthy. Though Christ, through Christ's redemptive sacrifice on the cross at Calvary, God the Father promised the earth and all of humanity to Jesus, making him the appointed heir and the only one who was worthy to open the scroll. Aren't you thankful today for Jesus? For he's the only one that is worthy to open the scroll
1: that's right hey i want to say something also about that seven sealed scroll not only does it represent the title deed to the earth but it represents our lost inheritance our lost inheritance you see we can receive back our lost inheritance the earth was given to adam to mankind to rule by god But, of course, Satan is the usurper. Satan, the usurper who took from Adam what God gave him, has to be evicted. And so in this title deed, it lays out God's plan to rid the earth of Satan.
0: That's exactly right. And, you know... um with this title deed, Jesus is going to take that title deed, as we're going to see here in just a few minutes. But I want us to continue to look at just a couple other key things in, the, in these verses. The next thing that I found that stood out to me was the description of our Savior. And we see in these verses that uh, Jesus is given three unique titles Um, that that he is called in these verses. The first one we see is that he is called the Lion of the Tribe of Judah. Now, that one should sound familiar to all of our podcast listeners, because that's actually kind of the subtitle of our podcast series, right. right? We're calling this The Coming King, the Lion of Judah. This is a reference to Genesis chapter 49, where Jacob prophetically gave a scepter to Judah and made it the Tribe of Kings. David was from the tribe of Judah, and, and ultimately so was Jesus. So the image of a lion speaks to the dignity, the sovereignty, the courage, and the victory. And Jesus is the only person from the tribe of Judah to ever fit all of those definitions. That's right. He is the Lion of Judah. The next name that is or title that is given to Jesus in, these, in this scripture, is uh, he is referred to as the Root of David. Now, this means that he brought David into existence, but from his humanity— um, as far as that's concerned, Jesus is actually in the root of David. He came from David right. and, but here it says he's the root of David. So this shows that God is, is eternal, right? He right. is both, um, the one who brought David into existence. He's also the one that came from David mm-hmm. showing that he is again, eternal, uh, God. And, you know, even, uh, when Jesus was on his earthly ministry, he referenced this to the Pharisees and, and kind of put that question in front of them of, hey, I, I'm I'm before David and I'm after David. Right. What do you think about that? And that's right. what he was referring to is his his eternality uh, that he has. And then the last thing that I see here in the scripture that uh, Jesus is referred to is he's referred to the lamb who was slain. You know, Jesus is called a lamb at least 28 times in the book of Revelation. And the theme lamb is important one because uh, throughout scripture, This presents the person and the work of Jesus Christ. He's our Redeemer. He's Mm -hmm. that sacrificial lamb that came to be uh, the Savior of the world and take away our sins. So in, this, in the closing verse here of the section that we read, we see uh, in verse seven, it says, then he came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So Jesus is the only one worthy. That's right. He comes and he takes that, that scroll, that title deed to the earth. He takes it into his hands. And that's what helps us move into chapter six mm-hmm. and that we can talk about a little bit more. So we need the, that background information to really get there. So now I want you to turn over to, to, to chapter six and let's look at what happens as this scroll uh, begins to to be open and these seals are are loosened. And we watch as as the judgment of God begins to pour out on the earth. And uh, we're just going to take this section by section. And so we're going to start looking first at the first seal, and that's Revelation 6, verses 1 through 2. It says, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Now, Dad, in, in this particular uh, section, um, this first horseman, which we're going to be talking about four, four horsemen uh, mm-hmm. here, this is the white horse. And the white horse and his rider uh, represents the prince that shall come. We talked about that last week, and Daniel was referred to the prince that shall come. And that's ultimately the Antichrist. And so this first seal being broken is the Antichrist coming in uh, to the world. And remember, the Antichrist is going to show up initially, and he's going to be a peacemaker. And he's going to come on the scene, and he's going to have all the right answers. He's going to be able to talk smoothly, and and he's going to be able to um, you know, really just uh, put everyone at ease because he's got all the answers. Mm-hmm. But he's quickly going to turn to what it says is the second part of verse uh, 2 there. He's going to become a conqueror, and he's going to move from victory to victory Um, as he goes around conquering the world and ultimately becoming uh, a dictator of the world.
1: That's right. That's right. You know, I want to go back to uh, something that you read in verse 1 of chapter 6 when one of the four leaving creatures spoke, and he spoke with a voice like thunder and said, Come and see. Thunder signals the coming of a storm. And so with the opening of this first seal, that is marking the coming of a storm right there. The the world's fixing to go into a very, very bad time. The world has experienced calamity in the past, but nothing that will measure to the intensity of the coming storm of God's judgment that Revelation chapter six initiates and tells us about. The voice as a clap of thunder sounds the beginning of the tribulation period. And the living creature says come and see. Here the living creature's really not talking to John, but to the rider on this white horse that you have described as the an antichrist that we read about in verse 2. Literally, the living creature is saying to this rider, "Be going, be going." Now, I want to stop here and mention what is symbolized by the horse with each of the four seals that Jesus opens. John records one of the living creatures summoning a rider on a horse. The horse imagery is probably related to the vision described in Zechariah chapter 1, verses 7 through 17. Horses represent God's activity on earth, in other words, the forces He uses to accomplish His divine purposes. Because of this, it is apparent that the four horsemen that appear uh, with the breaking of each of the four seals, one horseman with each seal, should be understood symbolically. They are forces God uses to accomplish his purposes, and God can use both good and evil to accomplish his purpose. And, of course, you know, you read the last part of verse 2. You said that, well, uh, white horse appears, the last part of verse 2, he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer.
0: Yep, but going out to conquer and conquer and, And and that is uh, really speaking about the nature of what the Antichrist is going to do, right? Uh, He's only going to be a peacemaker there for just a very short period of time. And then he's going to get busy about his way of conquering the world and becoming uh, the dictator of the world.
1: That's right. You know, Matt, a lot of people get confused about this rider on the white horse, and they think to themselves, well, no, no, this this is not the Antichrist. This has to be Jesus, because Jesus is pictured on a white horse in Revelation chapter 19. Verse 11, yep. but this rider on the white horse cannot be Jesus for several reasons. Number one, this horseman is summoned by a living creature. And I want to tell you that Jesus is not subject to any command. He's the one that gives the commands. The second reason this can't be Jesus is that the word crown used in verse 2 is the Greek word stephanos, which means a victor's crown. And this is not the crown that Jesus wears. In Revelation nineteen twelve, he is presented as wearing the diadema Now, Christ's weapon is not a bow either. The weapon of Jesus is the sword of the Word of God. This, as you've alluded to, Matt, is Satan's Superman. He comes imitating Christ. He is the Antichrist. He is that counterfeit Superman, the wicked one who comes on the scene after the church is translated in the rapture. He comes imitating Christ. That's why he's on a white horse and offering peace. He is presented as having a bow with no arrows. I mean, that's not scary, a bow with no arrows. But he is as false as the peace he is offering. Now, some might be thinking, yes, but the horse that he's riding is white. And that stands for purity. So he has to be Christ. But understand this, not all that appears white is white. Jesus told the Pharisees that on the outside, they were like whitewashed sepulchers. But within, they were full of dead men's bones. This man riding on this horse is a whitewashed sepulcher, a false Christ, a great pretender. Well. What is the plan of this pretender, this superman? Well, like you've alluded to, Matt, his plan is to rule the world. The plan of the Antichrist is to amalgamate and head up everything into one head. He will bring all religions, the political world, the business world under one rule. He most probably will rise up as the head of a great nation or a group of nations. Many people, based on the book of Daniel, feel that he will start out as the leader of the common market countries in Europe, which is a revision of the old Roman Empire. We've looked at his plan, but what's his promise? The promise of this world leader will be peace. Note that he's pictured coming forth as a rider with a bow, but no arrows, like I alluded to. He may promise peace, but the world will not know peace until Jesus, the Prince of Peace, comes back to this earth and establishes his reign. Satan will deceive many to fall down and worship this pretender, this false Christ. And it's a shame that many will go after a false Christ when one could serve the real Christ, the real Savior of the world. Over in John five forty-three, Jesus said, I have come in my Father's name, yet you don't accept me. If someone else comes in his own name, You will accept him. The world will worship at this man's feet. Little children will speak his name with reverence. Men will lay down their lives for this man, which we're told about will be Satan's Superman. He will personify all the Caesars, Napoleons, Hitlers, and Stalins rolled into one, and he will have sinister plans for military conquest.
0: Uh, That's exactly right. And Dad, that's a a great explanation that you gave about, um, I saw that multiple times where people try to confuse that white horse because of the... The relation there to Revelation 19, but this clearly is, is speaking um, of the Antichrist. You know, Dad, I heard this week, um, and someone who has been listening to the podcast, uh, said that the, that their minister had been um, telling them that there there was no Antichrist, there was no one person, right? Um, and so uh, this this scripture here, along with what we covered last week, and and really even the week before, uh, just goes in stark contrast to that. That clearly there is going to be this one person, this world leader that's going to rise. This that's- It's going to be the man um, of Satan. Um, or, or his Superman, as you called him, who's going to come on the stage, and and he's going to deceive, and he's going to again smooth talk, and, and and try to to get everyone to come and to under him, and to look for him for for all their needs to be met, and ultimately that's going to be the Antichrist. The Bible is very clear that the Antichrist is a real person, and and one day he's going to show up on the scene.
1: That's exactly right. You cannot believe the Bible and not believe in the Antichrist might be.
0: That's exactly right. Well, Dan, uh, let's look now at the second seal uh, that's going to be opened, and that's Revelation uh, chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. So let's read forward there. It says, When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. And another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that the people should kill one another and be given to him uh, a great sword, and so we see here the second seal. There is a red horse. Now, this red horse, red obviously, um, it typically identifies blood. Mm. And when we think of red, we think blood. And so, this is going to be the horse that's going to come and and represent war. Uh, that's going to break out. You know, when Jesus was talking in Matthew 24, he said there are going to be uh, wars and rumors of wars and nation will rise against nation mm. and uh, kingdom against kingdom. And And this is what's going to occur in this this second seal here that we're going to see that all of these nations of the world are going to become uh, at odds with one another. Even though the, the Antichrist was there, initially there was this time of peace, it's going to be very short-lived, as we said, and eventually it's going to turn into kind of mass chaos as everyone begins to look out for themselves and begin to fight against each other. You know, Dad, one of the things that I took out of this section here is uh, that this rider and, and his horse are going to take peace from the earth. Mm-hmm. You know, peace is something that is so valuable. Everyone wants it. That's right. And uh, and, and you really want it when you don't have it. You, you realize how much it means to you. Right. The world is going to have no peace whatsoever violence, murder, and bloodshed are going to be the norm. You know, I I think about it now when I turn on the evening news sometime, it seems like that's all that's there. Right. But what I'm seeing today on the evening news is going to not even compare to what's going to happen when this second seal is released and this red horse is turned loose to, to produce chaos in the world.
1: That's right. You know, according to God's word, Jesus promised that there would not only be wars between nations, but also wars between classes of people, races, and religions. Brother will kill brother, and parents will gladly slay their children. So war is going to be a terrible thing. And and there is going to be war not long into the rule of the Antichrist. I mean, he is going to be able to sway a lot of people with his tactic using peace. But then there are going to be those that are not going to be all that easily swayed, and he's going to have to go to war with them to get them to bend and bow in service to him.
0: Exactly. And um, so, you know, that's an interesting point that you talk about there, about uh, how even a brother against brother, neighbor against neighbor, a parent against child— it's right. um, all going to rise up against each other. And and you may be thinking, well, that's just hard to believe. But as you listen to the as other seals that are going to be opening, right, uh, you'll understand the amount of turmoil that's going to be on the earth. And um, you know, when we get into our next seals and we see when there's going to be s- uh, scarcity of food and, mm-hmm. and there's going to be all these things going on, yeah, there's going to be people uh, fighting with each other just to try and to survive. And that may even mean that you're fighting with your own family. going to be a terrible event to occur there when that second seal is broken open. That's right. And so with that, that does lead us into the third seal, and, and that's um, a Revelations chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. And so let's let's look at that because, again, it kind of goes hand in hand. It says, When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine. So dad, oftentimes in, and in, in, uh, in, scripture and biblical literature, we see, uh, and even just literature in general, the color black is often associated with a famine. Mm-hmm. And, um, we see that playing out here in this text. And, um, Obviously, famines and wars go hand in hand. And so That's we right. just saw that there's going to be this mass outbreak of violence and, and wars. And uh, typically that means that there's going to be destruction of land and there's going to be uh, people are not going to have time to, to do the work that they would normally do to prepare food and to and to get ready for that. And so there's going to be these massive food shortages uh, that are going to be widespread and produce famine when this third seal is broken and this horse is let loose. And, you know, Dad, you were mentioning something in your sermon earlier today uh, where you were talking about farmers and you, you mentioned that the farmers are, are producing, uh, at least the farmers in America are producing about 40% of the total food supply for the world. Mm-hmm. And based off the population and growth, they need to increase their production by 70% in order to keep up with the future demand. And so, you know, I just think about that in general. Many times we think about, well, oh, this, this is going to have to come from a drought or this is going to have to come from a disease of plants or something. That certainly could be the case, but just the sheer number of people and, and, and again, the chaos of wars and everything going on, it's very plausible to see where food is going to be very, very scarce during this time.
1: That's right. You know, famine is symbolized in Scripture by the color black, thus uh, this writer being on a black horse. Uh, Lamentations 5.10 says, our skin was black like an oven because of the terrible famine. When our Lord said there would be wars and rumors of wars with nations rising against nation and kingdom against kingdom, he also added, there shall be famines. Now the extent of the famine during the tribulation is suggested by what John saw, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. The word measure is used to denote the amount required to feed a man for one day. The penny was the daily wage of a laborer during John's time. What John is saying is that the famine that is going to come during the tribulation as a result of wars will be so severe that food will be scarce and will be extremely expensive. It will cost a man a whole, a whole day's wage just to feed himself. So if you make a $100 a day, then it will cost you a $100 just for you to eat barely enough to get by during the tribulation. And then you wouldn't have anything left for your wife and children. And uh, now the rich are going to have food. Look at the last part of verse 6. Yep. The uh, last part of verse 6 says, do not harm the oil and the wine. Now, we think about wine as being back during the time period of the Apostle John uh Something that was common that people drank, but more than likely that is something that's reserved more for the rich people
0: sure. today. Yeah, oil and wine would have been luxury items, right, uh, during that time. And and so uh, by by saying that, it's going to say that obviously there's going to be this kind of class warfare that you talked about. Of there's going to be the haves and the have-nots, um, and the haves are going to are going to have a food, um, but right. then the mass majority of people are going to be without food. And and as you said, they're going to work an entire day just to make. Uh, enough to buy food for themselves. And then where does that leave their family? And then obviously you can see how that plays into family member rising against family member when there's, there's no food to go around, right. You know, it's just going to be, be a terrible time. But, you know, as I, as I was thinking about this, dad, um, you know, the, these verses seem probably a little bit more real now for people uh, since we've been through 2020. Mm-hmm. You know, I I vividly remember um, the day that you called me. I was on my way home from work and you said, son, you need to go to the grocery store just just to see. Because uh, you had been to the grocery store right. that day and you said there's nothing. You know, the, the shelves were completely bare. Right, like there, There'd be like one can turned over sideways on a whole row <laughs> yeah. of, of groceries and that was it. And, uh, and so I, I was like, no, that, that can't be the case. And, um, I, I remember I said, you know what, I, I don't really need anything, but I'm just going to go to the grocery store. So I swung by the, the local grocery store on my way home from work. And actually I was on the phone with you still as I walked through there and I couldn't believe my eyes yeah. uh, because I mean, entire freezer section, completely gone, uh, entire shelves where there were bread, none whatsoever, uh, the produce department absolutely nothing left, not even a single orange or apple on the shelf. Mm -hmm. And um, so because we've lived through that, I believe it helps people to understand just a little taste uh, of what it's going to be like. Thankfully, it's improved for us. But just in those few days there, as we were kind of getting in the the early onset of the pandemic, a very scary time uh, when there was no food uh, to go around.
1: You know, if the United States government had not stepped in and made it uh, against the law to price gouge, we would have been paying a whole lot more for food uh, just several months ago when these shelves were empty because demand increases the price. It's a law of economics.
0: Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. So I know many of you probably experienced the same thing in 2020, and and again, we're not trying to insinuate that we're living in the tribulation. Right. We clearly talked about that in our previous episodes, um, but I just thought it was it was such a just a moment that stuck with me uh, to walk through the grocery store and literally see nothing. Um, and, you know, there were people running with buggies and, and they were trying to get food, but there was no food to get, but they were trying to find anything that right. they possibly could. And I just remember sitting there, standing there in the grocery store and thing. I was like, man, this is what it's going to look like uh, when, when the tribulation comes. This right. is, this is exactly what John was talking about uh, there in revelation. So the third seal, the black horse representing the famine that, that will occur. Well, dad, let's move on and, and let's look at this fourth seal uh, that is to come And Revelations uh, chapter six, verses seven uh, and eight. And so let's read that together. It says, when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come and see. So I looked and behold a pale horse and the name um, of him who rode on it was death and Hades followed with him and power was given to him um, over the fourth of the earth to kill with a sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beast of the earth. And so uh, here we see our fourth horse of the the four uh, horsemen here. And uh, uh, this uh, horse represents death and Hades. That's clearly described here or told to us what this is. And so we see that death comes and it comes to claim the bodies. And Hades is following behind them to claim the souls of the dead. Uh, and, to, and to take them away. So there's going to be mass casualty that's going to occur um, at this time. And you say, well, how exactly is that going to happen? Well, we see the Bible tells us here there's a couple weapons that uh, this rider of death is going to have at his disposal. There's going to be swords. So obviously there's going to be death from all of those wars and fighting that's going on. Uh, there's going to be hunger, which obviously is going to come from the the, the leftover of the famines and everything else that we're seeing Um uh, uh, death in general, which come from pestilence. You know, we see the word pestilence used in Matthew 24 uh, when Jesus is talking about end times. And uh, what is a pestilence? Well, uh, for me, a pestilence is something that just doesn't seem to ever go away. And many would say, think about what we're going through right now. Could it be uh, pandemics or, or viruses or, or sickness that spreads over the earth uh, that's just going to kill roughly a, a fourth of all the earth's and inhabitants?
1: You know, one of the modern means of warfare today is biological warfare. And many countries, even China, you know, that lab where I think this coronavirus came from, I believe they're testing things there and probably many other countries uh, testing for germ warfare, Mm -hmm. testing for biological warfare, uh, and also testing to wipe out certain segments of the population, you know, honing down a disease to where it kills certain people. I yep. mean, that's that's coming on the scene.
0: Exactly, yeah. I mean, we were looking at some uh, literature not too long ago, Dad. And you and I were talking uh, that they're tailored um – biological weapons that, that are getting down to specific genes mm-hmm. um, where they can can pick exactly the traits that they want to, to go after right um, thereby being able to tailor your weapon to whatever person or group of people that you want to take out and so uh, that's clearly some scary stuff uh, right. that's going on and, and I would agree with you it seems uh, now you know you don't hear as much about nuclear arm race obviously there's still a good bit of that going on uh, but I think things have turned more technical now and they're looking at biologic warfare and that would fit hand in hand with with what we're seeing here uh, in Revelation chapter uh, chapter 6 mm-hmm. and then the last thing that's at uh, the exposure was the beast of the earth now I found this one interesting here um, but even even the beast of the earth uh, will, will turn on on humanity and and uh, be able to devour um, uh, the the inhabitants of the earth I mean it's just going to be, An unreal scenario when that fourth seal breaks uh, loose and and death is allowed to just parade across the earth, uh, taking the inhabitants, uh, taking the life of the inhabitants and Hades following behind it uh, to claim their souls.
1: That's right. You know, if you look up the word uh, wild beast or beast in the dictionary, the definition may define a beast only as a four-footed mammal. Someone has pointed out that rats have been responsible for killing more people than all the wars of history. They have been reported to carry as many as 35 diseases, and their fleas carried the bubonic plague that killed 25 million people over a five-year period in 18th century Europe, which at that time was one-third of the population of Europe. David Jeremiah, uh, the great preacher, he said of rats— The most destructive creature on earth is the rat, he said. He is a menace to human society and food supplies, and the nasty creature comes in more than 100 species. Rats are extremely Prolific, producing five or more litters of eight to ten each year. It has been estimated that rats are responsible for the loss of more than $1 billion worth of food each year in the United States alone. Typhus killed an estimated 200 million people in four centuries. The disease was transmitted by rat fleas. Well, this information gives us an idea of how wild animals could contribute to the death on a worldwide scale.
0: Those are great examples, Dad. And, you know, I was thinking about some things that have happened in uh, more recent history uh, that people were familiar with. So, obviously, in recent history, we've had things like the swine flu, uh, yeah. which which generated uh, or initiated out of out of actual swine and pigs, we've also had bird flu yeah. uh, that's been around, and and some of the variants of MERS and SARS and different respiratory viruses um, that um, ha- have gone around in recent years. Many of those do have an animal origin, um, com- yeah, coming from monkeys, right? Mm-hmm. You know, coming from uh, unclean sanitation areas where these animals are, and and sometimes ingestion of the meat of these animals. Um, w- is is uh, definitely po- possible, uh, and so that's an interesting thought. It doesn't necessarily have to be an animal uh, attacking, um, right. but it can also be just these uh, this mass uh, killing of a fourth of the of the, of the uh, population of the world mm-hmm. uh, could come about from um, these uh, plagues come by animals, and so uh, that's what we see there. in that that seal is is just massive death, and and you know I I try to just put in my mind, like, you know, how much is a fourth, uh, you know, like that, that's just a hard number to put your, your mind around. But, um, you know, it's just unbelievable how much death is going to be uh, there and present, um, at that time when that, uh, rider of death comes through, uh, taking again, the lives of, of those who are, um, alive and, and Hades falling behind it, taking the souls with them. So it's going to be a terrible, terrible seal to be broken. Well, Dad, moving on to um, our next seal, we got the fifth seal here, and that's Revelation uh, 9 through 11. And so I want to read uh, that for us now. It says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, And it was said to them that they should rest a while longer until both the number of the fellow servants and the brethren who would be killed as they were completed. And so in this particular seal here, uh, we have, have something interesting happening here. This is what's known as the cry of the martyrs. And uh, in this particular seal, what we have is is uh, John is seeing uh, this group of believers, and these believers we believe, based off of you know reading the text here, these are probably uh, people who were uh, who gave their life for the cause of Christ. They are the early part of the tribulation, and um, they because it says that they're, um the people who who killed them or brought them wrong is, is still alive, so we think that means they come from the early tribulation. But they represent um, all who have been um, taken. Uh, taken, they're having their life taken because they took a stand for Christ or stood right. for truth, and and so that is what this represents. And they they have a question that they're asking. They want to know, you know, how much longer is it um, until uh, there are avenged? Now, many people say, well, is it right for them as Christian to want to uh, uh, to avenge their death? And and that's really not what they're asking here. They they are obviously seeing and have some knowledge of the events that's taking place there on Earth and all the terrible things, and they they know the ultimate plan. Right, um, but they don't know God's time. Right, and and they just want to know basically when is it going to be over? When yeah. when are you going to put an end to this uh, so that that everything can be healed and put back into order? And, and so it sees, we see there that they are given white robes and you know that uh, gives us um, some encouragement uh, to know that um, those who have died for the cause of Christ that they are going to be taken care of, uh, they are in heaven and are going to be given their white robes, but it also stands to encourage us uh, in case we are, are called upon that ourselves. You know Dad,' we've, we've talked about it many times that uh, persecution of Christians is on its way. Oh. Yeah. Um, now, we haven't seen that much here in the United States, but it is clearly already in play uh, pretty much everywhere else in the world. The United States has been lucky uh, that we haven't had to face a real severe persecution. Uh, but with everything happening on in our, our government and the political nature, you can see the writing on the wall that persecution is coming uh, to us not too long from now.
1: I tell you, even if you vote for a political party that's not in power, the, the political par- party that's in power will persecute you. We're seeing that today. We talked about that. And of course, evangelical Christians are going to be the target of evil and wicked people, even in the United States, because of the things that we stand for that is against the norm. Now, did you know that the chief weapon that Satan will use to kill martyrs during the Great Tribulation is going to be the guillotine, and if not the guillotine, he will use another weapon of decapitation. Over in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, John writes, Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness." to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads. In other words, had not worshipped the Antichrist. Did you know back on February the 15th, uh, 2015, soon to be the sixth anniversary of this, uh, was the beheading of 20 Coptic Christians and one Ghanaian, by the brutal followers of Muhammad known as ISIS or the Islamic State. The cops, all Christians, were poor laborers. Like so many in the Middle East, they were forced to leave their countries to search for work, in this case going to Libya to try to support their families back at home. They were kidnapped by ISIS for one reason, because they were Christians. They were executed by ISIS for one reason, because they were Christians. Accounts of their initial Kidnapping. speak of ISIS moving through the facility where the cops were living, demanding to know where the followers of the cross were staying. After they were kidnapped, they were dressed in orange jumpsuits and made to kneel down in the sand. Behind each one stood an ISIS executioner dressed completely in black. Before they were beheaded, one of the executioners taunted the West, pointing his knife across the ocean to the coast of Italy, just across the sea. Now, given the latest estimates that up to 16,000 committed jihadists are now in Europe mingled with the thousands of migrants who have poured over the European open borders, those threats seem more real than ever. And with a video camera recording the scene of the execution, the brutal Islamic captors beheaded the men. Christian experts who studied the video of the beheading said, Before the knives touched their necks, the 21 martyrs cried out, Oh my Lord Jesus. Now we know that 20 of the martyrs were Egyptian Coptic Christians. The one African murdered with them was Matthew Ayerga. He was not a Christian, but at the moment of execution, knowing that he would die, he was asked by one of his killers if he would reject Jesus. He turned to his companions and said, Their God is my God. One commentator of this beheading said, Not since the great persecutions of the early life of the church have we seen such a witness. I want to tell you that what we've been seeing here lately with the beheading of uh, Christians in the Muslim countries, that is going to be commonplace during the tribulation period. And people will, yes, they will uh, have the opportunity to be saved, those that's left behind during the tribulation, but they will pay a dear price. They'll they'll pay the price with their own life to stand up for Jesus.
0: Mm, yeah, that's that's exactly right. And so uh, we, we see that these martyrs, they again, they cry out and they want to know, uh, basically, when is it all going to end? Right. Uh, when is it all going to end? And and they were given a, an explanation and, and, and basically uh, given a robe and, and given their their uh, final glory state, uh, but said it's got to wait a little while longer because, again, the time had not come uh, to where it was fully fulfilled. Um, so that's what we see happening here in that fifth seal. is It's not necessarily a, an act happening on earth. It's, it's a response to what's going on uh, on earth. Uh, but it's a good uh, time to talk about that persecution that's going to occur during the tribulation. That's right. And, and again, we haven't seen it here in the United States. We've been very, very blessed as a, as a country. Uh, but you can see it. It is on its way uh, here, and, I, and I'm afraid to say it, it's probably not going to be too long before uh, many of us who are even listening to this podcast um, are, are going to have to put our, our faith to the test, and uh, we're going to have to we're going to have to take a stand, and uh, you know, hopefully. Um, you know, that doesn't mean that we have to give our life, but if it does, then that's, that's what the, the cost of Christ is going to be.
1: I think it's very important, the little children that are growing up in Christian homes today, that they give their heart to Jesus, they get their spiritual roots down, and they fall in love with Jesus and, and become strong Christians, because I think that the little children today are going to grow up with hostile persecution, and it's my hope and prayer that they won't value their life more important than their testimony for Jesus.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. I, th- I think we all need to, uh, you know, spend time in prayer and and asking God for for strength and drawing close um, because. Uh, those times are, are definitely on their way. Well, Dad, as we uh, move forward in our, our study today, we want to look here at the sixth seal, um, and that's going to be in Revelation chapter twelve, uh, going through verse seventeen here. And I'll read that for us. It says, "I looked, and when I and when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun turned black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to earth." As a fig tree drops the late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind, then the sky receded as a scroll, and it was rolled up, and every mountain and every island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth and the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man, hid himself in caves and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, "Follow us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne, from the wrath of the Lamb." For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? So in this particular section, we see that there are going to be cosmic disturbances we're going to see seismic activity and you know dad we talked about that and kind of those uh those signs of the times leading up to the end times that there would be uh, these earthquakes and things that would happen but what's described here is 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 something like we've never seen before that's you right know, the sun to go completely and utterly black uh, more so than what we would see in say an eclipse uh, that it's going to lose its light altogether the the moon turned to blood red Um, Which we have uh, people, you know, say, well, there's blood moons and things like that now, but it will be turned the bloodiest red that you've ever seen. And then the very stars of the sky are going to just fall. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, um, as it says here, really nothing is going to be left standing that's not overturned or flipped over. Uh, Even the mountains and the land masses themselves of the world are all going to be shifted at this breaking of this seal.
1: That's exactly Right. You know, you talk about the stars falling and all. On May the 1st, 1989, Time Magazine asked the question, where were you on the night of March the 23rd? Out dancing, perhaps, or attending a PTA meeting, or just sitting at home and watching L.A. Law? If so, you did not realize how close you came to disaster. While you were blissfully unaware of the danger, a huge asteroid whizzed past the earth, coming closer than any other such heavenly body seen in 52 years if the giant clump of rock now this is reported in time a half mile across by one estimate had hit the planet it would have packed the wallop of thousands of h-bombs and possibly killed millions of people the same article went on to ask is there any way to avoid collisions with asteroids and comets Perhaps a nuclear warhead aimed right at the small asteroid could vaporize it, said Alan Harris, an astronomer at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena, California, to which he also added, well, the warhead might also simply break the rock in pieces and would hit the Earth anyway. Considering this, Herod said, the most sensible thing to do about Earth-grazing asteroids is to try not to think about it. I'll tell you what, folks. Uh... I don't know what's going to happen. I think the earthquake could be just a natural earthquake that he's talking about, a great earthquake. It could come as a result of an asteroid hitting the earth. I mean, we all witnessed, if you are at least uh, twenty years of age or more, uh, the great earthquake that happened on December the twenty-six, two thousand four. During that time, the Earth was shot by a large earthquake. It was a nine point two magnitude quake, which was the second or third largest ever recorded. It erupted at a depth of nineteen miles under the Indian Ocean, and about 150 miles off the northern coast of Sumatra. It was the longest fault movement ever observed, and it lasted almost 10 minutes. It caused the entire planet to vibrate, resulted in another earthquake as far away as Alaska, and moved the island of Sumatra over 150 feet. The resulting tsunami, as much as 35 to 100 feet high, hit Indonesia. I think you remember that. Uh, it was all over the news back in 2004. The tsunami hit Indonesia, Thailand, Sri Lanka, India, Bangladesh, Burma, Malaysia, and even Somalia and Kenya and Africa. About 230,000 human beings lost their lives. It was one of the worst natural disasters in recorded history. And folks, I want to tell you something. This is what is predicted, something like this, except even greater than what we've seen that's going to take place uh, during the tribulation uh, that is going to come.
0: Mm. And, you know, seismic activity we talked about, I believe, again, on that first uh, podcast in the series has been on the rise for years. And uh, we're seeing stronger earthquakes happening each and every day. But I would dare say that all of the modern technology that we have today probably won't even be able to measure the level of destruction that's going to happen when this seal breaks loose um, and we see this destruction. The other thing that I took from this section of Scripture here, Dad, is it it talks about that people at that point – are going to begin to realize something's not right. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, you know, I I would hope that it would come to them before this point, um, but it's obviously going to be at this point when they see the entire world shaking and and mountains themselves crumbling, uh, that they're going to realize – uh, just the position that they're in—that this is the wrath of God that is falling down upon them—and it says that they're going to go and they're going to try to hide themselves and uh, put themselves in caves and ask and and tell the mountains and the rocks to to cover them uh, from from the one who sits on the throne. Um, but I, I just hate to say that there is no mountain, there is no rock that's going to be able to cover them, uh, because when the King of Kings and Lord of Lords comes, He's coming at one time and everyone will have to, to uh, bend a knee and bow and, and, he will judge all for their wicked ways.
1: That's right. You know, Dr. Vance Habner, a great preacher in days gone by, he once said that the day would come when the most expensive real estate would be a hole in the ground. <laughs>
0: that's, that's a pretty good quote, pretty good quote. Well, Dad, as we get ready to wrap up our uh, uh, session for today, our episode for today, want to look here quickly at the seventh seal, and we're not going to spend too much time on that, but the seventh seal is actually found over in, in chapter 8, and verses 1 and 2, um, and it says, and when he opened the seventh seal, there was a silence in heaven for about a half hour, and I saw the the seven angels who stand before God, and uh, with them they were given. Uh, seven trumpets, and so uh, you can see that the seventh seal is actually what opens up or releases the next uh, wave, if you will, of things that's going to happen uh, there in the tribulation. And so we're not going to go into that in detail. We're going to pick that up in in our future uh, episode. Um, but I just wanted to get you through all seven today, so that you can understand how this is working. Now, many of you are listening today, and they you may be saying, "Well, this is some of the worst news that I've heard," and. Uh, I don't know any other way to put it than yeah, it, this is terrible. This is this is uh, the the worst of the worst uh, that can happen. And, and to be honest with you, we're going to see as we continue through um, this uh, series that it's about to get even worse uh, from what we talked about now. And um, there is a way though that you can avoid all of this. Um, you know, God has made a way for us to to be right and to be holy with Him and in His eyes, and that was through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And we have time now. Uh, that we can accept Him as our personal Lord and Savior, and that we can let Him be Lord of our life. And if we uh, take the opportunity to accept what He did for us—the free gift um, of salvation that was paid for us on Calvary—that uh, we can avoid the tribulation. Right. Uh, we can be taken to heaven and 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 be uh, safe and 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 there with the throne around the throne, worshiping God uh, while uh, the judgment is being poured out on earth. And dad, I just I don't want anyone to to have to go through and and to live through uh, what we're reading in these pages. Um, I wish it could be that no one would have to go through that. Um, But um, unfortunately, there are going to be people who are not going to accept. They're not going to take the free gift of salvation. I would just hope that if it's anyone who's listening to our voice today, that you would think seriously about this. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is the day to do it. Uh, He can come back at any time. There's nothing really left on the prophetic calendar to happen other than for the church to rise, Mm -hmm. and that's the next thing. And so, um, again, that could happen even before we have time to publish this episode. Right. And so we would encourage you to, to uh, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. We've said it many times. It's a very simple process. You accept who Jesus is and what he did for you. You confess that you're a sinner, and you believe and put your trust in him and turn from those sins, repent from those, and, and try to move in, a, in an opposite direction to live for him. Uh, that's what it takes to be a Christian. And we'd love to help you do that. Uh, We can go in that in more detail. If you want to reach out to us, you can email us at bonfireministries at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our social media. If you'd like to know more about becoming a Christian, we would love to have uh, that conversation with you and to share with you how you can accept him today. Please don't put it off. Don't delay. Well, Dad, this has been a, an outstanding episode, a lot of information here, a lot of content. I know our listeners, um, several of them have listened to episodes multiple times trying to to understand it and take it all in. and I would encourage them to do that again for this and to read and to study and to pray uh, for God's understanding as we talk about these heavy topics. But I appreciate you being here today with me. And Thank you, man. Um, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I, I pray uh, that uh, everyone just takes this to heart, what we're covering today, because it's serious stuff. Right. Will you pray us out of here? Sure.
1: Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving Matt and I the opportunity to explain the Word of God, uh, to talk about the things that have been put in the Bible uh, to remind us of what is going to take place in the future. And we don't believe it's going to be a long time. It could be soon. We pray, oh God, for those that are listening today that have not Turned away from their sin and acknowledged Jesus as the Savior, the one who died to pay the penalty for their sins and received him as the Lord of their life, repenting, accepting him. I pray, God, that in their heart, they will ask you to forgive them right now. Turn away from their sin and ask you to come and live in their life and change them and and pledge to live for you all the days of their life to be a follower of yours god we pray that there will be people that will make decisions like this because you have given us your word to let us know what's going to happen and god we see all these uh, all these things are setting up the pieces are on the chessboard already they're be they're getting ready to move so help us god uh, to be more Uh, serious about spreading uh, the urgency about accepting Christ, uh, spreading the news of the urgency of doing that. And I pray, God, that you would just please cause
0: folks to receive him today before it's too late. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonfire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonfireministries@gmail.com. at gmail.com.